Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me. Thank you. Thanks for that welcome. And welcome to Giving Day. As we said, we're celebrating today all that Jesus has done for us, and we are giving to see many more lives transformed. Amen? And if you're new to all this or you haven't come prepared, don't worry. I think just enjoy an amazing atmosphere as we give today. We're seeing actually something very unusual. You know, we live in a society, don't we, where most of the desire is to get more money. Today we're doing something quite strange as hundreds of people stream forwards to give away their money. Isn't that extraordinary? Now, what is it that makes us do this? Why do we give generously? Well, I love the story that we've just seen read to us from John chapter 12. It's a beautiful story. I've entitled it A Beautiful Thing because at a dinner held in the honor of Jesus, as we saw, Mary took out the most expensive item she owned and poured it over the feet of Jesus. Something that was so striking and extravagant, it gets recorded in all four of the Gospels. And in fact, we're told in verse 3 of the passage that the fragrance filled the whole house. The whole house was filled with the fragrance from the perfume. I love this idea that this act of giving, as she broke open and poured out, this act of giving filled the whole place with a beautiful fragrance. Isn't that a lovely picture of what giving can be like? And Jesus then defends Mary and says, leave her alone. This is the words of Jesus. Now, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing for me. Jesus' heart is pleased by this act of Mary's generous giving. There's something that Jesus says, this has been a beautiful thing. Now, I think today that's a lovely picture to frame what we are doing, to set up our giving. It's not just so much about the money that we're going to give. It's about our motivation to please Jesus. Is that why we're here today? Isn't that why we want to give? Isn't it a beautiful thought that spiritually speaking, what we give today as we bring it to Jesus is going to be like a spiritual fragrance 
We get the opportunity today to do a beautiful thing for Jesus Christ, who's done everything for us. That's why we're here. That's why we give. That's why in a world that's trying to get more money, we come to joyfully and generously give away our money. We want it to be a beautiful thing for Jesus. And as I say, it's not so much about the amount. It's more not, not so much what we bring in our hands. It's what we have in our hearts that will be the real act of worship that breaks open a beautiful spiritual fragrance. Let it fill this whole house. Amen. And let it go from this house out into a world that needs to smell and experience the beauty of Jesus today. That's why we do what we do. It's out of joy and not out of reluctance. In fact, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, writing to the Corinthians, he says, let's not give out of reluctance or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The beautiful thing today is when we, not just that we give or what we give, the beautiful thing is how we give it. We give it with a joy and a generosity, and God says, I love that. That is like a fragrance that pleases my heart. Now, did you notice that in that sense, there's a beautiful, sorry, a powerful contrast going on in our story between the beautiful thing that Mary does for Jesus and the ugly attitude in Judas. Did you pick that up? Mary, on the one hand, pleases Jesus' heart. She does a beautiful thing, but Judas, he carries greed in his heart. As Mary comes to do something extravagant, he expresses a reluctance. He wants to stop this act, and he, he takes the moral high ground. He dresses it up as if he has moral concerns. He says, think what this money could have done for the poor. But in fact, we're told that actually his heart was full of greed. What his heart was really thinking was, don't waste that on Jesus. Think what I could do with that. What if I got my hands on that money? In fact, we're told in verse 6 that Judas was dipping his hand in the till. We read in verse 6, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. Isn't that an extraordinary revelation? He looked like he was being all moral and upstanding. In fact, greed and reluctance motivated his heart. And so when people were putting money into the offering, he was dipping his hand in and taking it out. Extraordinary. I'm sure none of us would ever do anything like that, taking money out of the offering. I do have a little confession to make at this point. Um, is that a right? Just a little confessional, and then we'll move on. But age six years of age, so I have changed, and I've moved on from this. And I'd like to say I was highly influenced by my older sister, who's really to blame for what I'm going to tell you now. But age six, we used to get 10 pence to put into the offering at church. And um, fortunately for us, it was one of those offerings where you couldn't see what was put in. It was like a bag. You dropped it in. And um, she taught me, I hasten to add, she taught me to take with us to church some other metal object, you know, like a bottle top or a, a washer or something. Uh, <laughs> so as the offering came round, we dropped in some random metal object. It went ching, and our mother was fooled. And so then shortly after the offering, still with the 10p in our pocket, we said we needed the toilet. And we actually left the church, went to the garage across the road, and bought a packet of Hubba Bubba. They were 10p in those days. <laughs> They were 10p in those days. That shows this is quite a long time ago. And I got away with it for some time until I presume suspicion was aroused by these random metal objects in the offering. And my mother noticed the pattern of needing the toilet straight after the collection. And I was caught. This is the irony. She made me do it, and I was the one who got caught. Isn't that typical? A mouthful of hubba bubba coming back into church. Anyway, uh, I've got it off my chest. We'll move on. The fact is, <laughs> joking aside... 
Joking aside, as married as a beautiful thing for Jesus. That's why we're here today. That's what we want to do. Nevertheless, you notice the voice of Judas that brings a reluctance, that almost ruins the atmosphere by, by questioning, oh, imagine if I had that money. Think what it could do for me and for my own benefit. And I want to say to us today, away with Judas, right? We want nothing to do with that kind of reluctance. We not only want to give all that God has placed on our heart to give, we want to give it with a merry-like joy and extravagance that today we might do a beautiful thing for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Two things then that motivate us as they did Mary to help us give in a way that is a beautiful thing for Jesus. The first is simply this, give out of gratitude, Jesus changes everything. The antidote to Judas-like greed is to reach a Mary-like place that says, Jesus, you have won my heart. All that I have is yours. I want to give out of sheer gratitude for what you've done for me. That's where Mary, I think, must have been at when she took the most expensive item she owned, cracked it open, and poured it over Jesus' feet. We're told in the passage, did you notice, that this one jar of perfume... It was worth a year's wages, 300 denarii, the currency of its day. Now, according to 2017 figures, the average wage in the UK was last year 27,000 pounds. So let's assume that this one jar of perfume was equivalent in monetary terms to about that much today, a huge sum of money, potentially, in this jar. And we also read that it was called nard. Now, nard perfume, I don't know much about perfumes. I wouldn't want to set myself up as some sort of expert. But uh, I've read that the oils, the aromatic oils of nard perfume come from the roots of very rare plants that grow in India and on the foothills of the Himalayas. So here you have this first century Jewish girl in Palestine possessing this extraordinary exotic perfume. It suggests that this would have been her inheritance. Most likely, this was a family heirloom passed down to the female generations in the home. So she takes out, if you like, her savings. She takes her security. She takes her future, breaks it open, and pours the lot over the feet of Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? Now, what would motivate a young Jewish girl to do this? Well, I think to answer that question, we need to put the text in its context. Listen to the context in which she was motivated to do this. We read, uh, as we heard in verse 2, in the village of Bethany, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. Therefore, notice, therefore, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. To understand why she did this, the therefore of Mary's actions, you just need to understand who were the guests and who was the host at this dinner party, and it begins to make sense. Firstly, the guests, did you notice, Lazarus, was reclining at the table with Jesus. A couple of things to note about Lazarus. Number one, he is Mary's brother. Number two, he's a dead man walking. (laughs) Just a few days earlier, this man contracted a sudden illness and died. 
He was placed in the family tomb, dead and buried, and by the time Jesus turned up late on the scene, the funeral procession was already well underway. And here he is, reclining at the table with Jesus. How is that possible? Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. He arrived at the tomb, Jesus. He declared over it, I am the resurrection and the life. He opened it up. He had it opened up and he spoke through death and called the dead man back to life in the authority of his name. He rules over sickness and death. He declares he's the resurrection of the life and now he's reclining at the table with a dead man who is also Mary's brother. Are we beginning to appreciate the motivation in Mary's heart, the sheer gratitude for a Jesus who in her family has changed everything. Not just the guests, but also notice who is hosting this dinner. We read in Matthew 26 that the dinner was held at the home of Simon the leper. (laughs) A couple of things to note about Simon. Number one, he was probably related to Mary also. Why do I say this? Well, you notice the dinner was hosted at his home, And yet, while it's hosted at his home, Mary and her sister Martha are serving the food as if that's also their home. It's possible that they lived under the same roof. They certainly lived in the same village and were almost certainly at least extended family. You know, one of those sort of villages where it's like everyone's related, you know, like Whittlesea. And uh, some of the... Some of the villages on the... I was told to say that. I don't find that... I don't find that funny either. (laughs) So first thing to note about Simon, he's probably also part of Mary's extended family. And the second thing to note, Simon the leper. Now, Now, the more you read the phrase, the dinner was hosted at the home of Simon the leper, the more you read it, the less it makes sense, right? Lepers do not host dinner parties. (laughs) Lepers in the first century context that we're reading here, lepers rang bells to warn everyone to run away, keep your distance. They had a highly contagious, incurable disease that left them socially ostracized and terminally ill, one of the most horrendous ways to have to see out your days in utter loneliness. And here is Simon the leper hosting a dinner party. How is that possible? Jesus changes everything. This is reading between the lines, but the gospel writers clearly imply this is now Simon the ex-leper. Because we have a Jesus who embraces the untouchable, heals the incurable, and transforms yet another life Simon, the ex-leper, can you imagine what it would have been like for him to now be hosting a dinner party in his own home? After the deafening silence of utter loneliness, can you imagine what it was like for him to be surrounded by the bustle and joy of family and friends again? Jesus changes everything. Amen? This, is, this very dinner is capturing an extraordinary demonstration of what Jesus Christ can do. I think as I say this of a lady who was part of the church down in Cornwall that I used to lead. And before we knew her, I remember her telling me how utterly lonely her life was. She was getting on a bit in years. Her family had moved away. She said that she could go for a whole week and not speak to anyone except at the post office where she collected her pension. She was utterly lonely and contracted arthritis. And so that stopped her doing the one thing she loved to do, which was baking. 
She had no one to cook for, and she physically couldn't do it. And then, to cut a long story short, Jesus changed everything. She came to know Christ. She was healed of her arthritis. She became this incredibly joyful part of the church family. Now, I remember on one weekend, almost in a single weekend, I think, she baked around 200 pasties for a baptism occasion. Can I say that is worth a lot more than Mary's perfume, right? 200 homemade Cornish pasties. What is the value? That is priceless, right? And I remember her saying, you know, he's changed everything for me. She couldn't stop baking and hosting and welcoming people as an expression of her sheer gratitude. If I think about what life was like BC, before Christ, and how he's changed things, how could I not serve him in every way possible? Back to Mary, I think that's where she was at. She looked at at her brother, her dead brother Lazarus, now reclining at the table, hosted by her relative Simon the ex-leper, now hosting a dinner party, and she thought, what can I do to convey to Jesus how much I love him for what he's done for us? With gratitude, she expressed a devotion to a Jesus who changes everything. Now for us today, actually, if we understand spiritually what Jesus has done for us, we would realize that we are every bit as indebted to him as Lazarus, the dead man, and Simon, the ostracized man. You see, spiritually speaking, the Bible says that before Christ, BC, without Jesus, we are dead spiritually. We are eternally lost without what he has done for us. We are cut off from God as a leper from society. We had no business being anywhere near Almighty God in his holiness and his glory. And yet Jesus stepped in, and if you are a Christian today, he has changed everything. Amen? Here's how the Apostle Paul sums it up. I love these words from Ephesians 2. But as for you, you were dead. There's that Lazarus language. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. We were, by, like the rest, he says, we were by nature objects of God's wrath, utterly cut off from him, like Simon the leper. And then listen to this. But God, because, of he, because he is rich, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in our sins, it is by grace that you have been saved. When we were dead, he came to our tomb of sin and shame, and he spoke life, and I ran out of that grave, amen? Out of the darkness, he called us into his glorious day. When we were dead, he made us alive. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, and he raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms. That in the coming ages, he might display the surpassing greatness of his glory in us who are saved by grace. Notice that language. Just as Lazarus, the dead man, was raised up to recline with Jesus, so Paul says, you've been raised up and seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. He has done everything to transform our lives. We are every bit as in debt. The orphans have been welcomed home. Those who were lost have been found in Christ. If you're a Christian today, Jesus has changed everything. And therefore, and therefore, what is a year's wages for the Son of God who saved us for all eternity? 
I mean, you put it, frame it in that context. We give out of gratitude today. Jesus has changed everything. Who wouldn't, if he's done this for us, who wouldn't want to bring their treasure and pour it over the feet of Jesus? Who wouldn't want to do a beautiful thing for Jesus today who has transformed our lives? We're not here to give because we're sort of religious, charitable, highly moral people. We're here to give because we are incredibly grateful people. Amen? We give out of gratitude. Jesus changes everything. Amen. And just secondly, we give with devotion. Jesus gave everything. We've seen how Mary can look back at what Jesus had done and give with gratitude, but we also should note that she, in what she did, she looked forward to what Jesus would do, an even greater demonstration of his love for us. What do I mean? Well, where does this event happen? It happens on the Sabbath, the Saturday, the day before Palm Sunday, the beginning of Jesus' final week. So Mary takes this perfume and pours it over Jesus on that Sabbath. Just one week later, the next Sabbath, where is Jesus? He is being crucified and his corpse lies motionless in the tomb. And Jesus knew this was coming and so spoke over Mary's act. Listen to these words. Jesus said, it was intended. Listen to that word, divinely. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus knows that Mary's act is prophetic. She may not have realized all that it contained, but it contained a prophecy, a picture, a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. What Mary did for Jesus pictures what Jesus will do for us. Today we give with devotion because Jesus gave everything for us. Let me show you in a couple of ways what I mean. Firstly, notice that as Mary emptied every drop of perfume, so Jesus poured out his life, his blood, every drop was drained from the life of the Son of God as he gave everything for us. I don't know if you noticed the quantity of Mary's perfume. She had a pint. Did you notice that? Almost a pint of pure nard. I find that extraordinary. I say that because I have been known on occasion to pass on my travels back through duty-free and think about buying some perfume for Charlotte. I've never actually done it because I'm always put off by the big boxes with a tiny bottle of perfume and an extortionate price tag. I can't, get, I can't quite get over that. I don't want a big box. I want a big bottle of... The point is this. Mary had a big bottle of perfume, and she didn't do what you're meant to do with perfume, which is, you know, just a little spray or whatever. I don't understand it, but you know what you, know what you do, you out there. Uh, <laughs> She didn't do what you're meant to do with perfume, use it very cautiously, and she, she took the whole lot. She poured a pint of perfume over Jesus until every drop was running down over his feet. I think that's a beautiful picture, prophetic picture, of what Jesus did for us. He did not come to love us in a conservative or cautious way. He gave everything. Think, just imagine, we often think about the death of Christ on the Friday. We think about the resurrection of Jesus on the Sunday. Think about the corpse of Christ on that Saturday, motionless and cold. What does that tell you? It tells me everything has been given away. 
Every drop of life has been emptied from this beautiful Son of God. He gave everything for us. No wonder Mary gave with devotion for him. No wonder we give with devotion for Jesus today. We may give some money. He gave his life, his blood, every drop spilt for us. What a saviour. As Mary emptied her perfume, Jesus emptied his life. And secondly, we can note, as Mary wiped feet with her hair, Jesus covers our shame with his beauty. There's something about hair and feet that don't go together, isn't it? You notice there are opposite ends of the body for a start. They don't belong together. If that's true for us, how much more would this have struck those observers in the first century where hair, a woman's hair, was a sign of her beauty and her honor? In fact, she would have kept it tied up and covered up. Even her fiancé would most likely never have seen her hair unfurled until their wedding day. It was such a precious sign of beauty and honor. Whilst the feet, on the other hand, in this culture, they represented, if you like, the dirt and the shame. They were the smelly, dirty part of the body. Even a slave would not be expected to wash their master's feet. So here we have this extraordinary picture of that which represents Shame being covered by beauty. And again, we see something of what Jesus has done for us. On the cross, the beautiful life of the Son of God was given to take away our shame, our stink, our sin. He took it all on himself in order that it all might be cleansed and forgiven in his name. That we who otherwise are left outside might be brought in and that our lives might be filled with the fragrance of the beauty of Jesus. That's the gift of the cross. That's what Mary's act is just a picture pointing towards what the Son of God will do. And therefore, no wonder she gave with devotion because she glimpsed the fact that Jesus was about to give everything for her. Today, we will come forward and give But as we do, we will receive, we will remember, we will take communion today to remind ourselves that our giving is simply a response to the ultimate act of giving by Jesus for us. This bread, the body, it represents the body of Christ. And as Mary broke open that jar of perfume, the body of Christ was broken open for us, that through his body, we might be healed. And then we'll take the cup and we will remember that just as Mary poured out the whole of that pint, so the blood of Christ was poured out for us that through his life we might be forgiven and transformed. We give with devotion to the one who gave everything for us. So may our giving be in keeping with what he's done. Away with all the Judas reluctance, wouldn't you say? There is no place for reluctance, no place for half-heartedness at the foot of the cross. Here we find Mary understands something of what Jesus was going to do for her, and so she gives with this risky, extravagant, dramatic, almost this shocking level of devotion. And I want to pray today that in my own heart and in ours, we wouldn't just be giving a bit of money. We'd give our whole selves. Amen? We would bring everything that we are and lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want my whole life to be a risky, beautiful act of devotion to you. You gave everything 
for me. And notice the final piece of inspiration here, this prophetic picture. As Mary's perfume filled the house, the fragrance of Jesus fills the whole world. I love the picture here of one, if you like, small act in the sense of where it's located, one small act of devotion, this jar broken open and poured over the feet of Jesus. It goes from the small and it fills the whole house with this fragrance. And then you notice it doesn't stop there. The impact of Mary's giving goes way beyond that. It goes way beyond that one house in the first century Jewish context. Jesus himself saw what Mary did, and he saw how much this captures the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so he said this, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what Mary has done will be told. Isn't that amazing? And right now, here in Peterborough, it's happening. (laughs) It's actually happening in Leicester and Cambridge today as well. We're hearing about the active devotion of Mary and how it tells us about what Jesus has done for us. Here's my point. One act of extravagant giving, out of gratitude and with devotion, begins to break out from there to fill the whole house, and then beyond that to reach many, many more lives beyond that house. Our prayer today is that what we do in here will break open something of a spiritual fragrance that releases in the heavenlies and here on earth a whole new wave of impact that thousands more lives may be transformed by the beauty of Jesus. Amen? That our giving will resource his gospel to go further. As the Apostle Paul puts it, through us. Notice it's through us. God is spreading everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. For we are the aroma of Christ. So today we receive what Jesus has done for us, and as we give, we release what he's done through our resources to go to many, many more lives. Let's give out of gratitude. Jesus changes everything. Let's give with devotion. Jesus gave everything for us. Folks, let's do a beautiful thing for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to come before you today and acknowledge all that we have is yours, Lord. You've absolutely won our hearts and our lives Not just some of our money, Lord, but we want to give everything to you today. We want this whole act to be an act of worship that fills this place with the aroma, with the fragrance of gratitude, of devotion to you. We want to do a beautiful thing for you today, Lord, because you've given everything for us. And so, Lord, we come today asking that you would take us and all that we give And let it release your gospel far and wide, that the fragrance of Jesus might fill our city, our communities, and many lives beyond. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen.